0: it worked only problem is it will take a very long time for the TARDIS to reboot to operational status again and the other only problem is we don't know where we are or even if we are and the third only problem is even if we are somewhere what if it's where the angel wanted us to be in the first place when it hijacked the TARDIS
1: so Adam we had one of our Facebook group users said that this was his, he thought this was the best episode of Doctor Who in all of Jodie Whittaker's era. Oh, are we really gonna?
0: Are we really gonna wait this out right, right now? I, no, no, no. I, I just thought, comment, like, what's
1: your instant reaction to that? Yeah, like, my instant,
0: my instant reaction is, I need more data. I mean, that <laughs> is that is literally like what's going on through my head right now because I know that the I, I know that I've always gone back and forth as to how strong some of her stories are. And after watching this one, it, it it immediately hits me as being, okay, wow, this was an episode to sit back and reflect on a little bit, because it is a very, very strong contender. But there's there's also like the Witchfinders. Like that's a that's a solid that's a solid episode. I did enjoy the Demons of Punjab. So going back through and looking at all of them, um it it might be interesting to see where this one weighs out. Like the ghost monument, like that it has some solid moments within the ghost monument where, where she finally gets her TARDIS back. That whole exchange as she like walks up to it. Um, I don't know. There, it, it would be hard. It'd be hard to uh, say one way or another for me right now.
1: Yeah. And I'll give credit to, it was Chris in our group that, that said that. So he, he said, well, I'll quote him here. Just so I'm fair to him. Uh he said, So, Village of the Angels. Best episode of Jody's Run? Question mark. It's gotta be up there, certainly. And I replied back, off the top of my head, I'd put the woman who fell to earth and fugitive of the dune above it. Ooh. And, and nobody else responded. So sometimes I'm hesitant to like comment in our group because I feel like then others might be like, Oh well, one of the hosts have spoken, <laughs> you know, like we no no further conversation is needed. It's like no no no. We, I I was hoping to kick off some conversation with that comment, but nobody really said anything after that. So
0: I, I'm always hesitant to comment because it's like oh dang if I say something here, I'm gonna have nothing to talk about when it comes time to record the podcast.
1: Oh yeah, I definitely I definitely have more thoughts than I typically will put in the in the group just because yeah I'm saving saving it for the show. But um, I, I like to throw a comment here and there just to kind of keep keep things moving. Yeah. Uh, But it's a great it's a good call out. And I would say with what Chris says, I do agree it is one of the best episodes. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think where the statement it certainly has to be towards the top. Fully agree. Agree wholeheartedly with that statement. Um it's just I, I think that's a whole nother episode right there to try to figure out, okay, what what where do the episodes rank, where do they fall? And that might be something that we save for once everything is said and done, wrapped up. We have to go back and weigh these things back out.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's that type of a comment uh, requires further digging or further assessment because, you know, I I was, you know, in the middle of my work day when he he said, or when I noticed it. And then um, I tried to like look up some stuff really quick. Like, oh, let me pull up a list of episodes. Let me, because I want to have, you know, I want to think about it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I just didn't really have time uh, to, to put too much thought into it. But there, were, the first two that popped in my head were, you know, The Woman Who Fell to Earth and Fug- Fugitive of the Judoon. Um, but, yeah, you named some other pop- top ones as well. But I'd say this is definitely in the mix. You know, it's maybe, you know, kind of in that top five. Uh, it's a solid, solid episode. And we'll get into, you know, kind of the details of it. Um, I think we're going to get right into it because we don't really have a lot else to talk about other than maybe just kind of the preview for next week and maybe some speculation around that. But yeah, uh, episode four and it's not going by as fast as I thought it was going to be going by. It just feels like, okay, we, we still have two more episodes. Yeah. That I'm excited that it hasn't just completely flown by and it's already over. It felt like maybe that's the way it was going to go, but, um, I don't know. It feels if it's, it's not feeling like um, it's flying by too much. And I've been able to, to enjoy it and have time to kind of rewatch the episodes and, and all of that. Yeah. I, I, as I was
0: sitting there watching this episode, it, it struck me that I'm really enjoying the way that this series is going. And similar to what you say, like, yes, we're on number four. We have two episodes left i don't feel like i don't have the feeling right now and maybe that's maybe that's the thing i don't have the feeling right now that oh wow we're really close to the end because there are so many mysteries is that a good thing because it's like oh we can continue watching this or is it a bad thing because is there any way possible that we're gonna have like a solid conclusion at the end of two episodes? I didn't think about that until just now, and now I'm starting to worry, Aaron. Like, are <laughs> we going to have this wrapped up in two episodes?
1: They've introduced so many different elements now that it is hard to it is hard to conceive that they are going to wrap it up. I think some of the things that we thought were big mysteries maybe aren't as big a mysteries. We tend to read into everything, every little thing that's shown to us. We're like, oh, there's a bigger backstory behind this, and then they may explain it in a sentence that's that kind of happened in this episode yeah. in a couple time, a couple of different areas where there was a big question around, you know, for example, Claire, you know, like where, where had she met the doctor before? And like, why did she know them and all this stuff? And then they literally explained it in like a sentence. Yep, so so some of that stuff I think is, there's probably other things that we're wondering about that in the next couple episodes, they're going to just explain away very quickly. And, um but yeah, there's a lot going on we got the we got the weeping angels that are now a humongous part of this whole thing um now suddenly, the division is catapulted into like the you know they're like this huge big villain entity that i guess I don't think I realized how big of a deal they were until now yeah, um you know, and then you still have azure going around doing crazy stuff with passenger and <laughs> you got yeah you know we didn't even see um swarm swarm this episode and we didn't see the uh the old guy that made the tunnels no w- williamson was totally missing this episode first his first time i think we didn't get to see him and yeah uh,
0: after we spent so much time talking about him last time he doesn't make an appearance this time
1: yeah and then you still got bell and and um vendor their whole yeah. thing and it's, yep. it does feel like there's a lot that's still you know within just two more episodes that there's a lot to wrap up but I th- i feel like I feel like they're getting they're getting to the point a little bit, you know, with the whole reveal, and we're we're kind of like jumping right to the end here. But you know, kind of that whole big reveal at the end. I think they're they're kind of starting to consolidate, and we'll yeah. see we'll see how they stick the landing. But I think that it'll be a satisfying ending.
0: It, it definitely feels like um, the the scope of everything as we started out was very broad, right? We they cast a lot of nets. To get started with, and now the scope, the funnel of this series is starting to draw together, right? Some of these things are—it's it, it, starting to feel um, like we are heading to a singular point. But I'm—I'm I'm now wondering, are we going to get to that point in the next two episodes, or are we going to basically be left with a cliff cliffhanger and have to wait for some specials to wrap it up? I'm starting to wonder if those specials are going to be independent or if they're just going to be a continuation of this.
1: They keep saying that it's a six-part thing, right? That's like all the ads for it. Every time they show an ad, they they always lead with that, you know, six-part. Right. So I think that I do think there's a contained story within the six parts that we're going to watch. Now, will there be some threads that aren't fully tied up that will lead into the specials? I actually expect that. But I was seen... going to say,
0: when we say six-part story and that self-contained story within six episodes, well, which one of these things are the actual story? Like, Swarm and Azure, are they the story? Is the division the story? Is, like, which of these are we going to say is the main focus of the story? And then
1: that comes to a conclusion, but then the other ones have to carry forward, right? I think some of the elements will carry forward for sure. And that's kind of the nature of Doctor Who, right? You know, they leave stuff hanging. And and maybe even the next showrunner wraps it up, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, even, I mean, we had stuff that we had stuff that Davies kind of introduced with the idea of Bad Wolf, which they really expounded upon in the Moffat era. And, you know, with the 50th anniversary special too. So, you know, will the division be like defeated in the six episodes? I don't think so. I think that there will be some things introduced here that will carry into other things, but I think probably my guess is the overall story of Azure and swarm, the flux, the flux that's, that's going to get wrapped up, but I think there'll be some of these other threads that will, you know, kind of carry on into other things uh, because there's just too much potential Oh yeah, some of these these elements and stories that you almost don't want it to get wrapped up yet. You know, let's let's let that sit for a bit. You know, that's you know the division is now this new thing that could be a big deal that the Doctor faces on a regular basis. um, That comes back, you know, almost in the way that like the Master shows up, or you know the Daleks show up. Now you're going to have the division as like a main villain that the Doctor has to face over the years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's a little both. I think there'll be a contained story that they will wrap up, and then there'll be stuff that carries over. Okay. That's my prediction for how this, this all goes.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm. We'll see. We'll see. Two episodes. That's all. Just two.
1: I know. Uh, Village of the Angels is the one we're going to be reviewing tonight. Episode four of season 13, part of the Flux miniseries, I guess. Yeah. Flux storyline. Uh, a little a little blurb here about the episode. Devon, November 1967. A little girl has gone missing. Professor Eustatius Jericho. That's a good name. It is. is conducting name. psychic ex- experiments. And in the village graveyard, there are one too many gravestones. Uh, I said that wrong, but whatever. It gets the point across. Uh, why is Medderton known as the Cursed Village? And what do the weeping angels want? So, yeah. So that's kind of a, a quick blurb. I, I'm assuming that's an official blurb that got put out there. So it starts with Claire taking a lie detector test. And she's with uh, the doctor, or not the doctor that we know, but a doctor, a scientist, um, who goes by the name of Eustatius Jericho. We find that out later. And he's he's doing this kind of psychic test on her. I guess it's kind of a lie detector type thing, and asking her these baseline questions, the things that you would hear you know, you know, is your what's your birthday? And then they tell it, right. and then you know it's true because that's you know everybody knows their birthday or what year is it? But she's like failing the the basic baseline questions because as we know she's not in her in her own time. Uh, so when she says it's 1967, uh, she knows in her head that it's not actually or at least in her reality uh, it's not 1967. So that's why she's failing the the lie detector. So interesting intro. Um, with introducing this character that we've seen before, but also a new character in uh, Mister Jericho.
0: Yeah, it it was it was a fun way to jump in because again we left, or if you remember the last episode, we kind of end with a huge cliffhanger for the Doctor, um, and we we transition into this, and I was expecting us to pick back up in the TARDIS, and to be dropped into this scene and and kind of see. Um, Eustatius Jericho who by the end of the episode I, I really liked the guy he was like the um epitome of what you've come to expect of British characters from this time frame like the the stay calm and carry on type of type of character um, not really flustered by anything even though he's faced with these horribly dire situations but in this instance he's just, professor he's a scientist he's doing what he needs to um having really fun exchanges with claire who we knew where we saw her last they did a nice little previously as the episode started um but it's it kind of unfolds and then it gets to the point where her uh heart rate gets elevated she starts to freak out a little bit and then it, it, it kind of turned spooky or, or oh, yeah. creepy at this point in time. Like, I I my son was like, hey, Dad, I'm going to watch this with you. And I was like, okay, of all the episodes for you to watch with me, I'm not sure this this is a good intro for you. Um, he quickly exited the room at that point when she started speaking with just a, a terrible voice.
1: Yeah, she gets that kind of almost like possessed type of voice. Oh, absolutely. Her, yeah, and her out.
0: pupils totally dilate.
1: Oh, yeah, and she she says some lines that I think are, you know, kind of mysterious, not sure what they mean. Uh, she she says, the end begins again. She says, there will be no escape this time. And then, of course, she says, the angel has the TARDIS, which we've heard yeah. that line now spoken by a couple people. Um, and at this point, we don't know, you know, this voice inside her, like where it's coming from. Right, we do. We do know that later on, they reveal that she has an angel uh, that's been living in 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 her in her head, essentially. Uh, So I'm guessing that's what they're implying this this voice is. Yeah, it's kind of that coming through. And I guess I guess the weird thing though for me is the angel that is in her head is also the angel that steals the TARDIS yeah and they haven't landed yet no so I guess maybe we're seeing a parallel like this is happening at the same time as they're landing and that's when I guess once it lands in this place that's when it inhabits her Uh, but I was kind of thinking the time was a little off The, the time the timing was a little off that she shouldn't have been possessed yet
0: yeah, it, it gets it gets a little timey wimey, right? Because like later on in the episode, if I'm remembering correctly, like it's revealed that she is a seer of sorts, and yeah. as a result, the angel took up residence in her mind. But that happened a long time ago, and that's why the angel pursued her when we first met her, and she first met the doctor on the street in Liverpool. That's why the angel was going for her there. It wasn't the same angel. It was a different angel um, because she already had the angel in her mind that they were trying to get to. And then, but like you said, it gets real timey wimey because the angel that was controlling the TARDIS, we find out is the same angel that's in her head, but that's the angel that came from Yaz's phone. And so it's, (laughs) it's all over the place, right? Like as far as where this angel is and how this angel came to be, But I think the whole, like, the end begins again, it just points to the fact that, like, time is all messed up. And with the angels being quantum beings, they're all over the place. They're doing all sorts of stuff. Who knows what time they actually reside in. At least that's my – that's the way that I excused away, like, how this one angel could be in all sorts of different times and different contexts all at the exact same time.
1: Right. And it can be frustrating – if you're someone who really likes a be, to be able to kind of understand everything it can be frustrating because doctor who in a lot of ways isn't meant to be completely understood especially when it comes to the timey wimey stuff you kind of do have to just give it a pass they you just have to take it for what it is like okay this is what's happening if you really think hard about you know the time timing of everything or where characters should be or if this should if this should have affected something else which would have made this not happen kind of thing then you can really get lost in your you can you can really get lost in the frustration. So Oh, you know, absolutely. I am somebody who likes to understand things, <laughs> so it can be frustrating but at the same time you do get to a point where it's like, "All right, I've tried to figure it out, to make sense of it. It really doesn't make sense and it probably isn't meant to make total sense, so I'm just going to move on because if I dwell oh. on it too long, I'm going to start hating it."
0: Oh, absolutely. And I feel like if Doctor Who's going to go tie me me? and it's acceptable, I mean, angels are the original timey wimey, right? Like they're the they're the original. It's the original episode, at least for me in New Who, that bent your brain because you're having to deal with all sorts of different time streams and and how did this person come to this situation if it involved them already in the future going back into the past? And angels are the original timey wimey from for that point and that point alone. It's like okay, angels are involved. I'm not even going to try to understand everything.
1: Right. It kind of, you had said something about the angels that, that got Claire and in the time we had seen before, like in the modern time. Right. Yeah. And they, they, they attack her. They send her back to now what we know is 1967. So that kind of makes sense to me that that was the division, quote unquote, division angels. Yeah. That were trying to put her, where she needed to be um, because the rogue angel was going to take her, take her over. And they needed her to be there for that to happen. I guess that at least that part of it kind of makes sense to me, but um, speaking I would, of, I would yeah, say uh, that
0: the rogue angel is already in her at that point. You think so? I do. I do. And that's why the angels are pursuing her because they're trying to get to the rogue angel. That's already in her head. That's are, that that is already taking up residence. And so that's why they're pursuing her from the beginning. I think she said something Well, maybe they're
1: pursuing her because the I don't know. That's what I like I said we can get in Because with, they could probably want... go forever just on questioning <laughs> this.
0: Because they the the division is trying to get to the rogue angel. So they're not trying to give the rogue angel someone to possess. They they're trying to get the rogue angel out of her in the first place.
1: Unless they they know that the only way they're going to get the rogue angel is by this this particular person because they know, because <laughs> okay they know.
0: okay i see where you're going here now i get it i get it you know what i'm saying I like it's, it is no, timey-wimey
1: but it's kind of like the, they know the future but they know this person needs to be in a certain place for that future to happen
0: yeah 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 i get it i'm tracking with you now
1: okay <laughs> that's kind of where my brain went um and then i was questioning that well you know what we are getting way way too much into the the end of it so i'll save that for later but Speaking of giving things a pass, uh, the doctor, uh, she's she's in the TARDIS and the angel has taken over the TARDIS. And the doctor's solution is to uh, reboot the TARDIS (laughs) uh, with these two cords that she can pull out of these walls, uh, which is going to do some sort of a quantum thing that's gonna eject the angel from the TARDIS it was just I was kind of like okay they needed to get rid of the angel they just gave the doctor some lines that we didn't really understand
0: oh yeah it's basically like I'm gonna combine two things that shouldn't be mixed oh wait three because I'm one of them no explanation of the three things that she or the two other things that she's mixing together and there's just like a little bit of, of danger involved. But again, it's like all this stuff happening with absolutely no explanation of why like these two things can be mixed to eject the quantum beings from the TARDIS. Um, but it works. And that's all that matters.
1: Right, right. So uh, I was trying to see if I could find like the actual transcript. Uh, angel has the controls. We have to get out of here. Keep your eyes on the angel. Uh, let's see. Two things that should never be put together are three things if you include me. Uh, reboot the TARDIS. Dimensional compression should eject quantum life forms. That was the line that got me. Dimensional <laughs> compression should eject quantum life forms. Like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, we just, you know, you just kind of have to say, okay, they they needed to get rid of this angel. And they, yeah. they just had to come up with something that we really don't understand. I mean, at that point, the TARDIS became a TARDIS. There was no
0: dimensions involved at that point. It all got compressed.
1: Yes, they did. They compressed it, and then that worked. Uh, at least initially, they get rid of the the angel, but now they have landed in, you know, what we find out is is uh, Devon, England, 1967, which I thought was kind of cool because I live in Devon, Pennsylvania, which I'm pretty sure was named after Devon, England. But, uh, yeah, they, they've landed there, and the doctor's kind of questioning like maybe this is where the angel wanted us anyways which yeah i think so yeah that makes sense right uh they so we we do have this the other storyline of peggy the little girl who has gone missing yes and we have uh her i guess it's w- what's revealed to be her great aunt and uncle yeah or, right yeah yeah her great aunt and uncle Gerard Gerald and what was the the woman's name? Jean, right? I was gonna say, did did I
0: guess she had a name? Cause yeah,
1: Jean. Because he 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 kind of snaps at her a couple times.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so Gerald and Jean, who once again another character we were just never meant to like.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, not. No
1: redeeming qualities of Gerald. Um, he's not a nice guy, and I think you know, you know, they're setting us up to be completely okay when he crumbles into stone. <laughs> yeah, uh, you don't you don't miss this guy. You don't feel sad for him because he was kind of a jerk to everybody.
0: And, and honestly, Peggy didn't really care either. She was cold hard oh, in yeah. that moment.
1: I mean, I was gonna say, yeah, you know, yeah, Peggy across the whole episode, uh, no emotion in this girl. I don't know if it was really bad acting or really good acting, <laughs> uh, but yeah, she had this dead eyed kind of way about her that was almost like, is she? Like is she actually a little girl or is she something else? Like, oh yeah, kind of that crossed my mind. Yeah, but I think ultimately it was just the character they decided to make her a little bit more. Um, maybe she's just in shock, kind of. You know, she's a little shell shocked, and that's kind of drained her of all personality.
0: That is a very generous way <laughs> to, to approach your uh, your view of poor Peggy. I, I think she just. Did not give a rip whatsoever. Um, she seemed very calm, cool, and collected. Uh, yeah, but but maybe she was just shocked.
1: I did like when the doctor first met Gerard. Gerald, I'm gonna say it wrong. Gerald, is it Gerald or Gerald?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I would I would just go with Gerald, but Gerald. I uh, keep
1: okay. So Gerald, when the, the I like when the doctor first meets Gerald and she comments on like, she's trying to figure out what time period they're in. And she's like, she guesses like, she sniffs his jacket, I think. Yeah. And it's like, uh, 19 Devon, England, 1945 or something. And then he's like, it's 1967. She's like, Oh, you must've had that jacket for a long time. Um, I, I chuckled at that. I thought it was, Oh, funny.
0: absolutely. I laughed at that one because it is one of those things where I, I, she has done a lot of sniffing of things. Maybe that's, <laughs> Maybe that's this doctor's uh, MO is she tells the, the time and place by just random smells and scents? But yeah, for her to be wrong and then basically because B, because this older gentleman has his has had his coat for, I mean, from 49 to 67. So um, oh, why am I trying to do math while recording this? 30 uh, to 56? No, that doesn't make any <laughs> sense. <laughs> I have no idea for a very long time. It would be, no, it's 18. It's
1: 18. just 18 years. But I, I've oh, had t-shirts that long. Oh,
0: absolutely. absolutely. I, I still
1: have. I'm pretty sure I have some t-shirts that are at least 18 years old. Uh Jeans maybe too. I don't know. Jeans maybe not. I probably don't fit in those anymore. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a, funny, a funny way for the doctor to kind of, you know, make a joke about this guy, but also reveal what time they were in.
0: I don't know if I'm just getting sentimental with this doctor now or maybe, maybe you have similar thoughts. It seems like there's more personality (laughs) within these episodes. There's more of these moments where it's like, we've seen her do this before and it doesn't seem so
1: out of place. Or maybe that's just the feeling that you have for the
0: doctor after three series.
1: Um, Right. I think that's more what it is. We've gotten used to her and, her quirks and the things that we, you know, find charming about her. Whereas, yeah, when she first did that stuff, it was, I won't say it was off putting, but it was just different, right? Enough that it was like, okay, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, whereas now we're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's that's totally, that, you know, that's totally 13, yeah. yeah, 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 uh, classic 13, <laughs> classic 13, yeah, so yeah, I've. I've I'm realizing, you know, I've really enjoy. I'm really enjoying her, um, you know, kind of as we know she's leaving. I've enjoyed her run, you know. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say she's my favorite doctor, but, but I've definitely enjoyed her run, and I, I'd say that about all the modern doctors. You know, every single one of them has has been enjoyable to watch, and she's she's absolutely enjoyable to watch. Um, so we get we get the Sonic, you know, doing some stuff a little bit in this one. I feel like she doesn't. This for this doctor, I I have realized don't notice the Sonic as much. Doesn't seem to play into as much as what she's of kind of what she does. And for her to kind of have it like, oh, it's like overheating in her pocket and she pulls it out and you know, she activates it and kinda uses it as like a a tracker to find out what you know what's causing it to overheat. um, and kind of takes her away. I was like, Oh, it was nice to see the Sonic do something. Other yeah. than her, like, pointing it in the sky, which she has done a couple times this season, uh, just to just to have it just be the thing that she pulls out every once in a while.
0: Yeah, I mean, she, she, it does seem like she pulls it out maybe once an episode, but it doesn't have – I mean, with, with Smith and with Tennant, Capaldi, it seemed like it was constantly being pulled out and just waved in various places. And then they'd look at it and be like, oh, okay, as a, a source of information – Um, this episode though, she, she did tend to rely on it quite a bit, right? Like it was almost constantly out from the point that she's saying, hot, hot, hot. She's, she's scanning to find whatever the source of the energy that she's tracking is. And then she's scanning for the different angels. She's locking doors. She's unlocking doors. She's, uh, giving her flashlight more juice. Like it, it, it's constantly in her hand in this episode, which is fun um anytime you get heavy usage of the sonic it's a good thing
1: right yeah i I, yeah i like i like seeing the the sonic get a little bit more featured and i feel like matt smith maybe was the one that did it the most or maybe his just is so is more memorable for me because of the the design of it
0: the things Um, that shot out from the sides of
1: the yeah like he would extend it, it would pop up and like the things would shoot out like or the little claw things at the top and i actually own that you know, replica one. So that's the one I've kind of held in my hand the most too. Um, it's the most, it feels like the most iconic of the, the modern Sonics. Um, and this one doesn't, doesn't get as much love.
0: No, not at all. It still looks like some chopped off spider leg. Yeah, it doesn't.
1: Opinion. Yeah. I would say it's probably my least favorite as far as design yeah. of the, of the modern Sonics. And I think, uh, I think 11s would be my favorite.
0: Do, do you know what else made an appearance this episode?
1: The psychic paper
0: that it did. Psychic paper made a return.
1: Yes, and she was uh, some sort of psychic investigator. Yeah, I thought which that was said, funny because kind of she pulled it her. out.
0: <laughs> yeah, she pulled it out. She showed it, and it's like here I am showing psychic paper, and it says I'm a psychic investigator. It came gave her a little bit of a pause, like oh, I guess I am. That's right on the nose. Yep, it was. Uh, I I appreciated the fact that she pulled it out though.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, and so we talked a little bit about Jericho. Uh, he is the the only recognizable guest star for me personally that we we've, we've seen in the trailer and has now shown up in the in the episode. Um, Kevin McNally, uh, who I know mostly from Pirates of the Caribbean, also from the TV show Turn, uh, and he's he's in a lot of stuff. Like I've seen him in a lot of stuff, so he was instantly recognizable. I. Th- I liked him. I liked him for sure in the show. He played a very kind of straight laced guy, uh, someone you could account you can count on somebody who's you know instantly just ready to do whatever. You know, like yeah. he he didn't really question a lot. Like you know, you have a lot of crazy stuff starts happening with this guy, which I'm sure he hasn't really seen um, these type of extraterrestrial type things. Or even like almost like supernatural, probably appearing to him, uh, but he kind of just rolled with it and was an asset to the doctor, uh, which was nice, um, kind of cool to see a character that can kind of jump in and be, in a way, kind of act as a companion, um, and because the doctor was, you know, without her companions at this point.
0: Absolutely, it and it's interesting because like initially there is some pushback to the doctor, which. I mean, she kind of invades his house and starts telling him to do stuff. But as he kind of falls into understanding a little bit more about the circumstances they find themselves in, although none of it is known to him, he very quickly just kind of buckles down. And there's a a scene in the episode where he essentially – I mean, he stands up straight and eyes straight ahead like a former soldier – and basically falls under the command of the Doctor. Um, he references things about his past, gives you a little bit more of a background of the character, why he's not thrown off by these statues invading his house that the Doctor says are very dangerous. Um, and I found him to be a very... I, I enjoyed his character throughout the entire episode. hes it, it It's really sad, though. Like if you think about it, because he talks about how he's had the experiences in the war, um, and it was 1967 was the time that he found himself there, and then you get shot back to 1901, and it's like, dang, he's gonna, he's gonna make his way through, um, possibly, I mean, at least World War One, possibly even World War Two, maybe that might be a stretch, but it's not like he's going to go through without having similar experiences
1: um, moving forward right so if he's in 1967 and he is he fought in the war he's talking about World War II right uh, but now he's been transported back we'll find out um, he, he gets transported back to 1901 which you know if he lives long enough he'll have he'll live through World War I <laughs> yeah so that is kind of crazy um, he looks like he's well, I don't know, sixties, probably oh, age-wise. Yeah,
0: yeah, probably. Uh, I would so, say like upper, upper to mid sixties. So I mean, he would,
1: you know, he's he's probably by the time, by the time World War One rolls around, he'd be a pretty old fella. Eighties or nineties, yeah. yeah. So he might not make it that far, and hopefully the doctor can rescue them all and get them back to <gasps> their normal times, because that, because that's where Dan and Yaz are, uh, and so. You, you would think that there would be some effort to get them, you know, kind of back to their time and including him.
0: Yeah. Maybe, I, I, fully Peggy, I, I, I fully anticipate there's, I fully anticipate there's going to be some, some effort put in there. Um, it is interesting that they got taken by angels and we'll, we'll talk about that. And the doctor actually knows what time they're in, like raises some questions about uh, Amy and Rory. Like, how hard would it have been for the doctor to track them down?
1: yeah, I kind of yeah that's the thing that's so intimidating about the angels right is that they can send you back in time um, so they don't necessarily kill you, but they'll send you wherever back in time and then you you know you live out that time period so you're losing everything you know, but you can kind of in a way start over but yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I guess the reason why the doctor would know where they are in this instance is cuz there was someone to tell them. <laughs>
0: in fact, he has screams her. it very it screams it quite uh clearly across the the void of time.
1: Yeah. But, you know, I like I've said before, I think sometimes the doctor struggles between caring for her, for his or her uh companions and also seeing them as dispensable. And maybe 11 was just like, "Oh, oh no, they got taken away. I guess that means I have to move on. You know, like, <laughs> although he knew probably very well exactly where they were and he could have gone and got them, but he was just like, all right, time for a new companion.
0: <laughs> he was he was done.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, that doesn't seem right, but okay. <laughs> Amy and Rory, yeah, like, you know, he, he spent a lot of time with them. He was ready to move on. He was ready. So uh, we do have Claire. Claire's an interesting character in this. She, like you said before, she's a seer. You know, so she has some sort of a psychic ability, um, which leads to some of the stuff that goes on with the angels. But she's starting to see, you know, she sees in the mirror, she's looking in the mirror in the, re- in the bathroom and she sees like angel wings on her. Um, you know, you have another scene where she's got like the dust, kind of stone dust coming out of her eye or ear. Was it eye?
0: It was her eyes. Oh, and geez. I was wondering Creepy. if you were expecting... Uh expecting the the what was it the mukta
1: oh yeah the booger monsters the The booger booger monsters to start coming yeah the muta yeah (laughs) yeah you got a little bit of schmutz in your eye there that's uh yeah that i actually did think about that it did come to mind i did not think that there was going to be any connection but because it was coming out of her eyes it made me think of the the um the scary monsters that yeah that episode that we love so much
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. It it crossed my mind. But again, in this, in this context, it was, it was unsettling, right? You already saw her spread the wings. Then you saw just the, the, it's the gray dust that is like the color gray. That's very recognizable for the angels, right? Coming from her eyes
1: and covering the back of the chair. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, something's going on with that. Uh, A character that we haven't mentioned, he's been in, he's been in a couple scenes. Is this random like pastor or priest or whatever he is, um, who's you know in the graveyard, and he's talking to um, uh, what's her name, the woman, Mrs. That, Hayward. Yeah, Mrs. Hayward, and she's like uh, telling him to count the gravestones. He he does end up counting the gravestones and and ends up seeing an angel, and then he's you know curious enough to get touched by the angel, and, but yeah, kind of pointless character because he doesn't. He's just gone. <laughs> Maybe he got sent back to the dinosaurs because he. I didn't see him in 1901.
0: No, he was one of the unfortunate ones that went back to 1901 and then immediately got snatched up by another
1: angel. Maybe, yeah, because he <laughs> definitely wasn't around. Like, I, I'm not sure what his purpose in this episode was. Maybe they had another a deeper storyline that involved him that got cut. But yeah, he was just kind of there for no reason.
0: Yeah, it, it served as a good a good introduction to the angels showing up because prior to that, you didn't know where the angels were in the village. And so for someone to be like, like they're here, like there's something going on, count the gravestones and then have this guy who was already angry being like, you need to stop leaving these notes of leave to everybody to have him be the one that gets taken first, Eh, poetic justice, good frame for the episode, however you want to put it. Um, But yeah, kind of, Kind of a throwaway character. In fact, he was thrown away quite quickly.
1: Right. Uh, Yaz and Dan, so they get s- not necessarily separated at this point um, yet from the doctor, but they've gone. You know, the doctor goes into the house and she tells them to stay with with the the people that are searching for Peggy. And so Yaz and Dan kind of start helping, trying to find this little girl. And Yaz goes into like full like police mode. You know, oh, she's absolutely. Like, she's like questioning them, like how their search patterns are, and all this stuff. And, and, you know, they're kind of like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, why are you, <laughs> you know, why do you care so much, I guess, maybe? But uh, you can see her, like, I guess her past life of being a police officer is starting to come back in these scenes. Uh, she's kind of in her element.
0: Yeah. And it, it was, you could tell that it threw Gerald off, right? And this is where you, they establish him as being just an overly, Unlikable character. Um, from the comments of like, Yaz asking, uh, "What does she like?" So that if we do come across her, we can, we can comfort her. We can let her know that she's safe. And he's like, "She's a ten uh, year old girl. What's what's there to know?" And it's <laughs> like, "Oh, dang, dude! Like, there is a ton, to, ton to know. Very complex individuals those ten year old girls." Um, so yeah, he's a very, very unlikable individual from the get-go he just doesn't seem to care about peggy at all um he has a sense of responsibility because her parents died but he really doesn't care about her but yeah yaz is in her element talking about basically setting up a search grid um and people are just wandering around
1: aimlessly right which is probably how they searched for people back in 1967 in a small town in england you know (laughs) wandering around aimlessly Yeah. yeah uh and this is kind of the first time we we get, I guess, the, the invading angels, right? Like they see, Dan sees this angel up on the hilltop and it looks like a scarecrow. Yeah. And, you know, it's, this is kind of the first angel that they come across um, before it starts to just kind of get overrun with angels, but um, Dan and Yaz see it, it starts to kind of come toward them every time they turn or blink you know that you know how it works and then it's basically on top of them pretty much in no time uh it was kind of this is where i was starting to think about like strategies of like keeping the angels at bay
0: yeah please tell me about your strategies because... well
1: i get when there's like a ton of them right you know when what was happening in the house like where they're just basically surrounding and you just can't keep your eyes on them all of them you yeah. know, eventually you have to close the door. You're not looking at them anymore. At that point, they pretty much have, you know, the autonomy to do whatever they want because you're not looking at them. So they're banging down the doors or breaking in, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to figure that out. But in this situation with Dan and Yaz and there's one angel, <laughs> I feel like they just didn't handle it very well. because <laughs> That should be pretty easy to manage, right? Like,
0: uh, yeah, I agree.
1: Like, okay take take shifts or maybe you know like okay dan you look at the angel don't blink i'm gonna run as fast as i can you know 100 yards away and then i'm gonna turn and i'll look and then you run and we'll just take turns until we're far enough away from it to kind of get away uh but they just kind of like fell all over themselves their flashlight stops working they you know they didn't handle it very well
0: oh not at all and i i totally agree like i would i would most definitely be communicating and being like okay I'm going to close my eyes for three minutes. You just don't blink for three minutes or shorten the time frames. Obviously I'm not going to yeah, make someone open their seconds, eyes for three whatever. minutes, but yeah. But like take turns closing your eyes so that you aren't standing there with your eyes pooling water down your face. Um, yeah. And
1: walking backwards is never a good idea. Oh no. You're gonna trip over <laughs> stuff. You know, like <laughs> just, yeah, it, it, I guess it was showing their, their lack of expertise in this subject matter. Right. They they, they they have have not come up against the angels very often. Uh our Dan never I'm assuming Yaz, you know, her first experience has basically been the very brief times that, you know, the that angel was kind of jumping in and out of the time stream and stuff. And I guess at that point the doctor was
0: basically just yelling at her, Don't blink, don't don't look away. So It wasn't it wasn't the most uh, instructive period of time for Yaz in those moments. She just followed those instructions straightforward. Don't blink. Don't look away. And that's what she told Dan.
1: Yeah, I would think that like if I'm the doctor, and I get a new companion, there's like a there's like a guidebook that I provide them. You know, <laughs> kind of the the <laughs> the onboarding, right? Like you hire a new employee, you yeah. have the onboarding sessions. That's what the doctor needs to do with these, like, okay, this is a Dalek, you know, this, and it's like a little booklet she gives them, or maybe it's an app, you know, and they can take quizzes and stuff to make sure they, they get their qualifications. You know <laughs> that's,
0: that's the next doctor, the doctor that has the, how to be a companion app. I'm pretty sure though, that like what you're describing is basically Capaldi. Like he had the dry, he had the chalkboard, um, in his TARDIS, and they had all the books as well. I'm pretty sure he was probably giving Clara lessons at one point or another.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And he remember he he became a teacher, uh, yeah, at a, at a professor at a college for a while too. So uh, he's he's got that aspect of him. But yeah, I think that there should be some sort of onboarding program for new companions because we know the Doctor and Yaz have been traveling together for a while. Uh, just them two, you know, there would have been some opportunity there for her to just fill her in a little bit, like, hey, there. So there's these things called weeping angels. You know, and if we ever come across them, you know, here are the three rules, you know. Like get. <laughs> Don't but, walk yeah. backwards. <laughs> Yaz just did not seem like she knew what to do. <laughs>
0: no, not at all. I have to say, though, like, all things considered, Dan is taking this all in stride. Like, he chance. is the he's the most chill dude to, like, ever step foot on the TARDIS, um, at least in recent memory. He is not he is unflappable by some of the, the, these things that are coming up and it seems like he's able to adjust and like, like when they walk up to the line and he just throws a stick through the, through the time and he's like, yep, we're not going to cross that. (laughs) I mean, he's, he's a very practical individual.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's been, he's been a good one so far. Yeah. I'm like, I'm liking Dan. Um, Yeah.
0: Which, which leads me to think that he's not going to be around for very long.
1: Yeah. Probably not. Sadly. He's probably going to be a, you know, end of the, end of the series is the end of Dan. Hopefully not in death. Uh, oh yeah. More, hopefully not. Hopefully, hopefully him, and just die. On.
0: him and Die get together.
1: That's what I'm holding out hope for. You know, those love stories in Doctor Who. I don't know. They have room for two love stories. They already got Belle and <laughs> Vinder, which seemed I'm, great. To, I'm seem setting you dating. up for the transition, Aaron. You got to yeah. take it. Just run with it. Back to Belle. Uh, yep, back to Bell. Still traveling through space, so uh, she's she does make a comment. So we do. So Bell, I, I was thinking that this was gonna be a non-Bell episode. It felt like okay, we got. I was actually enjoying the focus because in past episodes leading up to this, it was there was a lot of jumping around, a lot of characters, a lot of kind of what's going on. And this episode was like, okay, we're focusing on the angels. I haven't seen Azure yet. I haven't seen Swarm yet haven't seen the old guy making the tunnels yet. Like this seems to be a very focused episode. I was kind of enjoying it. And then they jump, and then suddenly Bell's there. I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, they're, they're giving us a little bit more about her. Uh, and she makes a comment that her and Vinder were both deployed. She used the yeah. term deployed. So yeah. that kind of gives us a little bit more backstory as well. That she was actually also part of, you know, kind of whatever military organization that, that Vinder is part of. Um, and they were both deployed in different places.
0: Yeah, she she says that or something similar later on too when she's talking about Passenger, where she mentions that on her last deployment and then she gets cut off. Which throws all sorts of wild theories into my mind that in after seeing Passenger, she talks about her deployment and then they kind of leave it hanging. It made me wonder for a brief for a brief minute if maybe they were part of Division 2. Maybe. It would explain how Vinder is, like, aware of so many different things. Like, he was able to spot and recognize the TARDIS. I guess the one hole there is he didn't really seem like he recognized the Doctor, um, which you think that the Division would be more familiar with the Doctor.
1: Oh. So what if... Right, that's true. But maybe you didn't recognize that form of the doctor. True, true, uh, true, true. Cause now you're making me think about remember when we were talking about the the doctor and having her team when she was yeah. she was a fugitive yep. doctor, but we saw her as the thirteenth and we saw Carvanista. You know, Carvanista, Yaz, and Vinder. Yeah. So what if Vinder was actually there? And that was him. Oh. And Yaz was Bell. That would be crazy. I feel like I have to think about it more to disprove that, but um that would be an interesting if they were part of, of division. But I feel like they she has mentioned division and stuff. I feel like Vinder would have said something. I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh they and she did say previously that she had fought Daleks with Vinder, so now that kind of makes more sense too. Cause I was kinda of thinking of them as like, oh, they fought Daleks because they came across Daleks while they were traveling yeah. together, but now I'm like, Oh no, they were like literally fighting Daleks. Probably they were in like the military. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's kind of, we're definitely getting a little bit more um, insight into the past of these, of these characters, which is nice.
0: I think, I think one other thing about this whole bell vendor storyline it is doing is it's helping us to see. And it's obvious. I feel like captain obvious for stating this, but the, the wider scope of what's taking place in the universe as a whole with the flux, having destroyed planets, destroying stars, like with an episode like this, that's all focused in 1967 or 1901. It, it, it's very focused on this small town in England. And you kind of lose track of the larger storyline by having it take a break and follow bell, follow Vinder it gave it an opportunity. It gave the story this opportunity to take a step back and be like, Oh yeah, this is the scope of the story that we're dealing with where the entire universe is messed up. They have like a portion of one fourth of the sun, one third of a moon and half of a planet. Like, and that's the only livable planet in the entire sector of the universe right now. So it, it gives that opportunity to step back and be like, Oh this isn't just this small, confined story in England. This is actually a huge thing that's going on across all space and time.
1: Right. Yeah. I was thinking that, too, in, in that, like, what's going on, or Earth seems to be somewhat protected. Yeah. But it sounds like pretty much everything else is not doing too well. And oh, you were, absolutely. And you were talking about, like, oh, will this series give us the end of the universe? In a way, it kind of already has. The mat- it's just a matter of will they be able to reverse it or repair the damage um, or where do they go from here because yeah it does seem like you know even if the doctor st- ends up stopping this the damage has already been done across yeah. most of the universe you just have like the earth so far that hasn't really been that affected by it uh, but you can't really say the doctor did a very good job if all she saved was earth you know, <laughs> right. and everybody else just goes to goes to crap so yeah it was kind of interesting to see, to hear like this is literally like now i don't know if it's the only place in the universe that people can come to for safety but it's the only place in this sector right so maybe there's other places too but but yeah it's this is the only planet in the sector that like people are coming to because it's still somewhat not destroyed
0: yeah i i don't know how that works but yes half a planet has survived <laughs> people can still go there And they're getting free transport by the ever benevolent Azure.
1: Right. Yeah, we have Azure who's coming there as like this almost godlike figure showing up to these these people and transporting them what they think to safety, but actually transporting them into the prison that is Passenger. Yeah. Uh, And and Belle's familiar. Belle knows. She sees this and is like, nope. Don't do it. Don't go into the light. <laughs> you know, like yeah. Uh, and tries to save this guy that's with her. Uh, Nam- Namako Ostpravas Po.
0: <laughs> Such a great name.
1: <laughs> I I know I pronounced it wrong, but um, and the planet they're on is is it called Parzana?
0: Yeah, something like that.
1: But that's the planet that her and Vinder were gonna go on their honeymoon, I think. The floating canals. Yeah. So was it was like a Venice type situation, maybe. Pretty much, but um, sadly, it's it's not it's not in too good a condition. Nope, and yet Belle takes it in stride. Yeah, she definitely does, and um, she, you know, kind of just to finish out her story here, because there's not really much else other than like one little thing that happens later. But you know, she basically saves this guy from going into passenger, but. I was kind of confused is like, is this the, did everybody else go? And then now it's just this guy by himself or is there like other, <laughs> you know, other outposts or camp encampments of people that just haven't traveled in that direction. But cause he did make it sound like it happens every so often and they only take a certain number of people and then anyone that gets left behind may be able to catch the next one. Right. But when, when this time it seemed like it took everybody except him and now he's kind of by himself and then she just left him behind too, although she offered to take him with her.
0: Yeah, and Azure says that he can always try the fourth one.
1: The, is that what she said, the fourth?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure she said the fourth.
1: Hmm. So, yeah. And I, this, is, this is one of those things where I'm not sure what they're doing, you know, kind of what's the end game, once again with Swarm and Azure. Yeah. Other than terrain in hell, <laughs> uh, yeah. Because like, what's why are they gathering all these people? What are they doing with them? Are they just using them as collateral or using them as hostages? I'm not sure what their end game is.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the only thing that kind of made sense to me is that they're just. It's basically replaying the very. Uh, first scenario all over again they're gonna have like five passengers and all of them are gonna be filled with a million plus individuals as hostages um throw the doctor into an impossible situation where they have to decide who who to save three companion or two companions three companions or millions of people that's what i'm anticipating um that they're just going to be used as pawns in a big old scheme
1: yeah i guess still yet to be revealed over the next couple episodes as to what's the deal. What's the deal with Swarm? What's his deal? That's what I want to know. Um. So back at the, uh, the house with Jericho, this is, we have, it gets pretty chaotic. And I will say, I felt like they drug it out a little much with like them trying to, st- you know, they're in the house. The angels are coming from all the different directions and, you know, he, he's kind of standing up to them as needed. But I got a little tired of it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's like, okay, they're, okay. let's move on. <laughs> they, it just seemed like a lot of that kind of – I think it's it's for the the fans of, like, when Doctor Who is, like, um, it startles you. It scares you. There is always that element of Doctor Who where there's a scariness. And this episode really tried to lean into that. But I I don't know. Like I like the Weeping Angels as a bad guy, but I don't like I don't get jump scared by them typically. Like when they do the whole like whoa, they're right there. I'm not like jumping back from my TV screen. So um, yeah, it was it lost its its lust lustre a little bit for me.
0: Yeah, and I think I think the whole jump scare aspect of it, like the first time we see them, sure, like blink, it was it was frightening. But I mean, I was again, my son, he wandered back into the room because he wanted to watch parts of the episode. So I was prepping him for it where it's like, okay, it's close. He's going to turn around and the angel's going to be right there. So you can, you know, what's going to happen now. And so throughout this episode, you knew that it wasn't going to only happen once, but it, that same jump scare or that same attempt happened multiple times. To me, it didn't detract from the episode. But I get what you say by <laughs> I get what you're saying when you say that it seemed like it lingered a little bit too long at times. The only one, the, the only time that I was like, oh wow, this is a very unpleasant situation and <laughs> this is somewhat frightening is when they start wandering through the tunnel below Jericho's house. That's when it's like, okay, there's all these arms sticking through the walls and yeah. the ceilings. That's frightening. That's the new Yeah, I like
1: yeah that. that
0: was that was different um yeah that and one it, was like okay this is spooky
1: it may not have worked for me but i know it works for other people like my i was watching it with my wife and she every single time they did the jump scare, <laughs> she jumped. you know like it, it worked on her <laughs> oh, that's um, awesome so you know she and she enjoys that i think about those about the weeping angels like that it scares her so um we did have so claire we we had seen claire previously in the other episode that led to some speculation as the timey-wiminess of it. Like, okay, well, when did she... She knew the Doctor. It felt like she knew Yaz too. But she knew them and knew the TARDIS. But we don't really know where. So I kind of expected there was going to be like this bigger element. Like, oh, well, she actually, you know, spends time with them somewhere else in time and then jumps here. But really, the, it really wasn't that. That wasn't the case. She had just had these psychic premonitions about the Doctor. Yeah, and that's why she recommends the doctor when she saw her, in in the modern time.
0: Yeah, and that's that's exactly what it was. She had these psychic premonitions about the doctor. She had these psychic premonitions about the TARDIS, premonitions about the angel, um, which would end up chasing her, essentially, I guess, um, or coming to live inside of her mind. So she she had all this stuff, and that's like you mentioned earlier. That's pretty much the whole reveal of her story.
1: Yeah. She just happens to have these visions and it all leads to this. It wasn't as big of a deal as we thought it might be. Um, And maybe it was supposed to be bigger. And then they, once they got to this episode, they're like, we don't have time for that. (laughs) Let's just write a quick explanation as to why she recognized them. Um, But yeah, she, she was in 19 or I guess I'm assuming 2021. Yeah. Um and gets gets sent back to 1965.
0: Yeah, and then she lived two and so years. So she's been
1: living there for two years. Um, so yeah, a little bit more explanation as to as to her. But uh, I did like the part where <laughs> they're they're freaking out because they're surrounded by the angels, and then the doorbell starts ringing, and and the like, are they really ringing the doorbell? Like <laughs> he seems so bothered <laughs> by it. <laughs> yes, uh, which I. I had a chuckle at that one.
0: There were a couple moments like that where yes, they're ringing the doorbell and then they start speaking to him in his own voice. And the way that he like corrects them about using his voice, where it's a very unpleasant prank. If you don't get someone's permission to use their voice, <laughs> it's like, dude, come on! Like they're they're literally breaking down your door right now, and you're concerned about them using your voice. <laughs> I
1: I didn't even rec I didn't feel like it was his voice. So he no, I didn't any- either.
0: It was it was similar, but not his voice in my opinion.
1: It didn't sound like him very much at all. It just it was a, a more sinister version. But I'm sure I'm sure they used the same you know the actor to to do that part. But maybe they should have told him to sound more like himself because. <laughs> That might be why they had him say that it was his voice, because otherwise you wouldn't have known that. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Claire, Claire has, you know, she's got the newspaper clipping, the whole thing about 1901. Um, everyone in the village disappears. She knows that it's going to happen in 1967, but it also had happened previously in 1901. And that's where we know the angels are sending people, at least so far, the people that we've seen them, touch um including yaz and dan have been sent back to 1901 and they're trying to find peggy still because they get there and they think well peggy might be here so let's try to find her
0: (laughs) wander into a house chickens on the table stop the record peggy walks in and they have a nice little breakfast with her again peggy is unflappable she just takes out that bread like nothing's really happening
1: yeah she has no personality (laughs) <laughs> just eating her bread um, still in a, a bit of shock maybe I don't know how long I guess she's probably hasn't been there that long uh, and and Yaz and uh, Dan are kind of like questioning her like what's going on here and she starts to tell them about you know this, this place uh, that they can't go to the edge of the town right they can't go past the sign yeah uh so she takes them there and it that's where they see the the existence of the what they're calling the quantum extraction like they they see that this village has been literally pulled out of space and time and you know it's kind of just there like they can see the edge of of this and it's just into into space right so yeah what does it all mean why That's where I I started to kind of wonder, you know, as the episode went along, I'm like, okay, we got 1901, we got 1967. Why? Like, what what did the angels need in 1901? Like, we know what they needed in 1967, because that's where they sent um, the rogue angel. But what did they need in 1901? Or is that still yet to be revealed?
0: Yeah, and that's... That's where I think, number one, I I don't know if I'm holding out much hope for any of this really all to be explained. Because the way that it comes down in the episode, is just kind of stated and left at that. Um, So like 1901, it never really comes up other than the newspaper clipping that, oh, it happened twice, 1901. And it just so happens that's where everybody shows up. And then we have... Um, the whole idea of the quantum extraction, like this town pulled out of space and time, it's just kind of stated as like this known fact. Like Peggy has it in her head. The doctor's like, oh, quantum extraction. Like, oh, <laughs> duh. Like this is what's happening. Everybody should know this already. And then it moves on. So I'm not holding out hope that any of this is going to be really expounded upon or explained. All that more than what we've already had done so. And I think if I were to point out a weak part, or a weak spot about anything in this episode, it would kind of be this, that when you stop and you actually um, zoom in on these larger things that are just thrown out there, they're not smaller things that just get mentioned throughout the episode. These are pretty, pretty big things because we spend a lot of time here.
1: It, it just doesn't quite hold water. Um, and i think that there is supposed to be some connection to all the angels that are like buried in the tunnels yeah yeah where i was kind of like okay maybe maybe 1901 is important because that's where the angels initially went and so they're in so they buried them there so they could rise again in 1967 i don't know like i didn't know what the importance of that at the end too when they had that kind of when the girl, she mentions like, oh, in 1901, there was supposed to be an exca- excavation here. But that didn't happen because it is 1901. And I was kind of like, are they trying to tell us what we're we're supposed to understand this? I, I just didn't, I wasn't putting all the pieces together. But it felt like they were trying to tell us something. Yeah, I agree.
0: That the, the rock where all the angels are, um, that's where they came from. It is made out of stone. I don't know. There, Like you mentioned, there's a lot of things that are just like tossed out there. I don't know if it's tossed out there to like help us to understand or to lead us to what happened or if it's tossed out there with the point of explaining it more later on. I don't know
1: um, <laughs> well, but it's let, out there. Out of respect, we, we must talk about um, Gerald and Jean. Gerald yeah. and Jean. Their untimely demise. They – <laughs> I th- I found it kind of humorous because they also see, they go to the edge of town in 1967, they see an angel, they, you know, make the mistake of letting it touch them and then they're transported back to 1901. And then when we see them again, it they don't seem bothered, like they're just still looking for Peggy. And so they're just kind of like, you know Peggy. You know, like they're walking around. It, it doesn't seem like they're very traumatized by the fact that they've just been displaced from their time. And uh, Jean saw the like the angel like like change. She saw that scary face and everything. So it wasn't like they just thought that they like tripped and woke up and I don't know. Like it just <laughs> they just seemed not bothered at all by the fact that they just gone through this time shift.
0: Yeah, and the fact that Jean is like,
1: I still don't know why it's light all of a sudden. <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's like, did you not remember that you just got attacked by like a moving stone statue? Uh,
0: like, but yeah, <laughs> they,
1: they, poor people. Yeah, and they they come, you know, they don't listen to the warnings. They walk up next to the the angel, and then Peggy makes the comment like nobody survives this twice. And then they get touched, <laughs> and then they like they die. They crumble. You know, it looks like pretty excruciating way because they both kind of screamed as it happened. Um, and Peggy's not; she is unflappable. She's not yeah. bothered by the fact that she just watched her relatives die. Yaz you is know. bothered by it. Yaz is oh, literally yeah, streaming tears.
0: Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't sure if Yaz was crying or if she was. She had just been staring at the angel for so long; her eyes were watering a
1: lot. I felt like she was crying. She seems to be bothered by the the weeping angels. Uh, every time they they've had interactions, a lot of it in the up to this point has been with her, you know, cause they were, you know, in the review mirror yeah. thing and the video game and all that stuff. And she definitely seems to be kind of bothered by them as a, she seems to be legitimately scared of them. Uh, maybe more so than Dan. And so to see her have an emotional reaction when she sees what happens to people, and just to, to watch people die right in front of her. Uh, I felt like it was tears.
0: That makes sense.
1: Yeah. But yeah, so Peggy's not bothered by it. Um, they're dead now. And <laughs> the show moves on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the show just moves on very quickly.
1: Um, but let's talk a little bit about the doctor having that kind of psychic connection with with uh, Claire. Yeah. So she she realizes that Claire is, like, basically there's an angel, in, you know, in her mind. And the doctor's like, I want to, you know, help you get this angel out so that if I make this psychic connection with you, I can get in there and talk to talk to the angel. So she does. And it's like, this is one of the coolest visuals, I thought, in this episode and even in just, like, Doctor Who in general, like, of recent. I thought it was a cool visual that the doctor's standing there on what looks like a the a, the shore like a rocky shore yeah um in this just expansive water all around them and you have claire but then you have an angel standing behind claire with like her hand on her shoulder yeah. and and the water is like literally coming from both sides so it's like the sh- the the tide is it doesn't make sense to us you know we would typically see the tide only come in one way but it's like both ways. So it's like this very trippy experience place but also visually really cool. Even the lighting, it's got this really like deep bluish grayish kind of dingy look to everything. I was all I was all about this. I was like, you know, two thumbs up to the cinematography.
0: Yeah, it, it, they even had like things floating around in the air. Um giving it kind of a grainy appearance, but I think it was just stuff blowing around at this point in time it really is a cool scene um the close-up of claire's face you can see the angel in the background and the angel is a really cool angel too because its face is like half split um it's it's a solid scene and there's a lot of interesting good exposition that takes place during the scene as well it's not just all visual there's a lot of content there too
1: Yeah, she find this is where she kind of we've talked about the rogue angel, but this is where the doctor kind of identifies it and says, you know, okay, you're not actually, you know, you're not trying to take over Claire. You're hiding. Yeah. And you're, you know, I I think at this point she oh, yeah, she does mention that the the other angels that are chasing her are extraction squad for the division. (laughs) Yeah. And so and they in the first scene with with a doctor um in this place they kind of leave you hanging there and you're like wait what like the the angels now work for the division they're like part of the division so it was kind of a big uh like moment i thought where it was like whoa i wasn't expecting that to be connected
0: Yeah i definitely wasn't expecting it to be connected either um it is I mean, as the angel is talking and the as the, the angel makes a statement, um, the division uses everything and everyone, every species, every world, every moment, they are everywhere, present and unseen. Division is unstoppable. Um, it's like, well, we know that they had Time Lords, they had Lupari, mm-hmm. they had, now we know that they had Weeping Angels. It really does seem like they are this um, ever-present everywhere and all times entity and it it increases the scope for um how daunting how intimidating the division really is like previously it was like oh whatever the the doctor kind of ran away from them and it worked out (laughs) it didn't seem like they were too scary and then we saw them the doctor defeat the the division um and it seemed like the centaur oh we know they use centaur too right um, in the fugitive doctor episode. Anyways, it's, oh, it's Jadun. <laughs> Jadun, thank you. Yeah, not Sintaran. Um Jadun. So it, it's it is a much bigger thing than at first I thought it was.
1: Right, and there's still some mystery as to like, are they, do they have Time Lords in their ranks, or are they part of Gallifreyan culture? You know, is it an offshoot? of Gallifreyan, you know, is it, is it a organization that is Gallifreyan or is it just an organization that has had Gallifreyan's in it? Yeah. Um, and cause that's kind of what I thought initially that it was like a time Lord thing, but ne- cause we were talking, you know, joking about if Carvanista was a time Lord, it seems like that's not the case now that, you know, just because you're in the division doesn't necessarily mean that you're a time Lord or Gallifreyan. Um, the division could be anybody, any number of species Um, Now, who is the core of the division who started it? That's that's still a huge mystery that I don't think we know unless I'm just missing a detail or forgetting a detail that's been revealed in the past. I don't think you are.
0: I think it, it is mysterious, which then gives credence to the doctor spending all this time and effort trying to track down what it is. We in the audience have the same feeling. We want to know more, not just for the sake of the doctor's story per se, but I'm just interested to know more about the division in general.
1: Right. Yeah. And what's what's their goal? And we know the doctor, the doctor was doing missions for them. You know how deep in she, she was. We don't know. Um, it sounded like also she had some sort of debt to pay to them because we have that comment from Vinder when he was working with her as the fugitive doctor saying like, if we can finish this mission, you know, you can get out of this, you know, you can move on. And so it sounds like she's almost kind of paying off some sort of debt she has to them by working for them. Um, And the big kicker in her conversation with the angel is that the angel claims that she knows everything about the division, about the doctor's past, she has all this information the doctor has this is like what the doctor is seeking and she has it right here in front of her um and it's just a matter of her making a deal or trying to make a deal with her that she can um help her escape the other angels and then this angel will tell her what she wants to know
0: yeah so here we are presented with our second situation in just as many weeks where standing before the Mari, who have the ability to give the doctor what she wants. She's immediately pulled out of it. And here she is standing in front of the rogue angel. um, The rogue angle. Yeah, it wasn't quite 45 degrees. It was a 33. Um, (laughs) It went rogue. (laughs) It went rogue. Um, Standing in front of the rogue angel, she had the opportunity to get exactly what she wanted, and she's immediately pulled out of it by Jericho.
1: Right. Yeah, he had to pull her out. Things were going crazy. He was trying to hold down the fort, but it just wasn't just wasn't working out. There were just too many angels. They're breaking in through the TV at this point. We kind of missed, we skipped over it, but like we had a point where like one came in through a ripped up picture and became like fire angel.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty awesome. <laughs>
1: uh, so at this point, Jericho's like, I've left you in there long enough. You know, they were using these these like sensors and like you know on their head to kind of track. He wanted to track the science behind it all. And so uh, he rips it off and, you know, kind of snaps them out of it before she can get that. Not that she was going to get the answer right then anyways, because the angel kind of said, you have to help me first. Yeah. But she kind of gets pulled out of that conversation probably earlier than she wanted to be. Right.
0: And which immediately leads to them fleeing down the creepy tunnel um, and then the conclusion of the episode.
1: Yeah. And um, did you... So I know we've had we've had the guy uh that pops up from time to time from like eighteen twenty. Is that what yes. the year that we always say? Williamson. Uh, Williamson, which is a we we were joking about it post show last time, but you guys didn't get to hear it. Uh <laughs> that, that is actually just a historical character that we could have looked up but we didn't <laughs> make the connection <laughs> until until post <sighs> post credits. But yeah, so is it, this guy who's known for, you know, building these tunnels, um, and he wasn't in this episode. But no connection to these tunnels, right? Like, this is a just a coincidence that there's tunnels here, and then he also was building tunnels somewhere else.
0: Yeah, I I, I at first was curious about the tunnels because, number one, there is a dude that's building tunnels, so is there a connection there? Number two, Jericho calls out the fact that, like, oh, these tunnels have things written on the wall. Like, I wonder how long these have been here. And so it was like, oh, maybe there's something there. Um, But I do think that there's absolutely no connection, two distinct things. Um, But yeah, it's just, (laughs) there's a few things I'm not entirely sure about. Like now I'm wondering like, oh, maybe the tunnels that Williamson has been digging, those things that he was shooting at were actually weeping angels that he was shooting at. Um,
1: Yeah, or if if... Kind of what we were saying before, these tunnels, you know, were first constructed in 1901 and they placed the angels there, you know, for them to be, you know, to be revealed later on. Maybe this is just another place that they're doing that. And like the tunnels under Liverpool are also a place that they're placing angels that will rise again when the time is correct. Um, So maybe there's a connection, but it did seem kind of coincidental that there was this whole mystery around these tunnels in Liverpool but then there's also these tunnels here. Um, so I'm under the impression that there's not a connection. That's kind of my guess. But there could be. You never yeah. know. Yep. It does seem, it is a little interesting that they use tunnels in, you know, two different places. Um, but yeah, the Doctor's trying to escape the tunnels with um, Jericho and Claire. Claire gets out. Jericho does not. He gets sent back to 1901, but he literally just appears right next to conveniently <laughs> right next to the other characters, right on the other side of the, uh, whatever the, the night day barrier. Yeah. Uh, between 1901 and
0: 1967. Yep. I, so I, the whole idea of Claire making it out of the tunnel and she goes out there like, was there no thought that, Oh, there's an angel at the very entrance to the tunnel surely there must be more angels outside waiting for them. Like, Oh, right. It's just like, Oh no, Claire, just run outside. I'm sure everything's okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't know that there was, I felt like the doctor was resigned to the fact that they were going to get caught. Yeah. And maybe even knowing that when she sends Claire out there, that Claire was going to get caught. The doctor even didn't really try that. Or once she got to the end of the tunnel, it was almost like she gave up and she's like, you know what? (laughs) These they're going to get me and then she was surprised when they didn't
0: right right like, oh, the whole idea attacking. of like oh i'm i'm pretty quick <laughs> <laughs> <Who are you laughs> yeah kidding? like there's you're not that quick i'm sorry
1: right and when she tells jericho to run it's all it's almost like yeah she kind of knew he wasn't going to make it but um, it,
0: it, it's almost like one of those things where how do you outrun a weeping angel, you just have to be faster than your
1: slowest friend. Like
0: that, That's pretty much what she was baking on at that moment. She's like, oh, I'm faster than he is. I'll make it out. He'll be, or I'll make it out. He'll get caught. Um,
1: yeah. I mean, they do seem to almost have like teleporting powers where they can, if you blink, they can suddenly be there, like right in yeah. front of you. So even though he may have gotten caught, it might give her a couple extra seconds, but eventually they're going to catch you too. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so when she does make it out of the tunnel, they let, they basically let her um, come out there. She sees, she sees her companions on the other side of this barrier. Um, she's able to talk to them. Pretty neat, pretty neat trick. Be able to talk across time like that. And they kind of give her the down low on what they found out. And then the, um, and Claire is kind of, she's been captured essentially by the angels that are trying to capture the, the rogue angel. Um, But then the doctor, I guess the deal that she had made is no longer valid. You know, the the angel is like, I got a better deal. Um, I'm actually giving you up to them. And she's saying, you know, you're, you are recalled to division. And the doctor is now, I guess, like this was kind of, I hope they explain it, but I didn't know getting recalled to the division meant you turned into an angel.
0: Yeah, I had no idea, too.
1: (laughs) Like, and and not by being touched by an angel or anything like that. It just (laughs) kind of just happened. Like, they just said, all right, is this something they could have done all along? Like, you are recalled. And then suddenly you're recalled. You, You turn into an angel. Maybe that's how they transport her.
0: Yeah. And, like, prior to that, the whole rock that they're standing on is, like, glowing. And there's all that stuff happening there as well. And it's like, maybe this is some weird angel power when you're standing on their ground as they can turn you into a weeping angel. I tried to make sense of it in my head because honestly, it made no sense to me as to why the doctor would turn into an angel. Not saying I don't like it. I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm, I want to see what happens. Um, but it is it did seem like just a very odd touch.
1: Kind of a cool visual. They did. This oh yeah, like 360. They were in the behind the scenes. They kind of talked about, you know, kind of ha- why they they d- decided to do the shot that way. Um, but it was it was cool effect. They go around. They're kind of panning around her as as she's transitioning and and then she does like the, the slow movement of her hands in front of her face. That iconic angel yep. pose. Um, so it was a big shocker, I guess, because in a way it almost seems like the end of the doctor or the you know the doctor has has lost so there's got to be some you know she's got to get out of it right (laughs) there's two more episodes we're not gonna have two more episodes without the doctor I wouldn't think so um we'll see what what happens
0: yeah it's it puts the show in an interesting situation um because how quickly is this going to be resolved? We already so we already have seen based on um, trailer for the next episode that the companions seem like they are left to live out a good portion of their life in 1901 and the years following, um, or at least that's what the trailer leads you to believe. So there there is going to be some stuff to figure out with the doctor not being in the picture.
1: Yeah, definitely, and we know. We know from previous trailers that there's a scene with Yaz and Dan and they're kind of like almost in some sort of uh, tomb or something or excavation. Yeah. Um, That we know that's still coming. We know now that based on the trailer for the next episode that they've been stuck for two years. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's a big deal. That means that Dan and Yaz have now been hanging out for two years that's yeah <laughs> that's a long time it might be it might be longer than she hung out with uh, graham and ryan but yeah so she, so they have you know obviously been bonding for the past couple years uh i don't remember if they showed the doctor at all in the trailer
0: i don't think they do they the show episode. a couple other things but not the doctor
1: right yeah so we get well surprisingly the grand serpent yeah. Who we I thought was just kind of a, a throwaway character that they just kind of used to show a little bit of Vendor's backstory. But he shows up in the trailer. He's talking to... um, He's talking to the woman who is the he- head of... Fill in the blank. Unit? Unit. Yes. So we know that's kind of a surprising cameo, right? Like that's a character that... Yeah, I didn't expect to see. Not
0: anticipating left left bridge Stewart showing up.
1: Yeah. So, and that's a care you know that's a character that has shown up now. Across the last three Doctors now.
0: Yeah, I would say Smith and Capaldi for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so so Jodie Whittaker would be three. So yeah, so that's kind of a, a cool. You know, connection that they're you know bringing a character back that was not originally established with Whitaker or even Capaldi, but all the way back to Smith. Uh, so yeah, um, pretty interesting little teaser there, and once again they leave us hanging. You know, we don't know what's going on. <laughs> I think I was noticing every episode that I've watched, I think up to this point, including this episode, multiple times during the episode, I, I said out loud. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) You know, like this whole episode, I'm just like, what is going on? I don't know what's going on. You know, there is a frustration in that. Like, I I like that they're leaving us hanging, but at the same time, there is definitely some frustration in like trying to figure it all out.
0: Oh, I, I agree with the idea of going through the episode, really uncertain about what's going on, really unsure about what the heck could possibly happen next i'm enjoying it though because we are actually left with asking the question what's going to happen next as opposed to just feeling like you're jumping from random episode to random episode random story to random story there is that that solid storyline that leads us from one episode to the next and it's like i actually do need to watch the next episode to figure out what happens next knowing full well they're not going to explain the entire thing. Um, but yeah, that's at the end of this one, again, left with the question of what the heck is happening. I really have no idea. Um, and honestly, I don't know what comes next. So it, it, I'm looking forward to seeing the next one and jumping in.
1: Yeah, it's hard to predict so far, for me at least. Um, and I've been staying away from trying to read too much speculation You know, there's definitely some some people out there like speculating, oh, does this mean this or does this connect to this? And I've kind of tried to not read that stuff because I'd either like to figure it out myself or have the show tell me. But some these more these more eagle eyed people out there that maybe know a little bit more about the history of Doctor Who. Maybe have already figured some stuff out and I kind of don't want I don't want to know. I don't want to be spoiled. So Um, because we're not going to be the type we can speculate on our show. But, you know, I think both of us would admit we're not those diehard guys that are going to go and rewatch every episode that had angels or rewatch every episode that, you know, connects to, you know, whatever to kind of try to figure out all the mysteries. It's just not, not that we wouldn't love to do that, but it's just not a reality in our life, you know, that we have time to do all that. So we're kind of, you know, we, we do definitely do our our own speculation and predictions and stuff or what we might think is happening. But we may not be as informed. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so. But that's why people that's why the people that have stuck with us like, you know, that's what they like, I guess, <laughs> that we're not because if they wanted to really inform Doctor Who fans, they'd be listening to a different podcast.
0: Oh, and there yeah. are a ton of different podcasts you could listen to. but <laughs> We I, it is like as much as I would like to. It would really be fun to be able to draw from all that knowledge and be able to connect all the dots it's kind of nice living in ignorance though and being able to enjoy these aspects of these stories as they come up and if y'all share things with us on on the facebook page or the facebook group and point to these classic storylines that's special that's awesome i love i love reading those things and and seeing all those connections there um but i am definitely relying on y'all to make those connections um, unless something is totally obvious when it comes to new new who episodes that we can connect to or it just so happens that there's some connection to one of the random classic episodes that we've watched um then we'll pick up on
1: it right yeah so well there was a, a mid-credits scene
0: yeah check so that out
1: that was a it wasn't i mean they didn't it wasn't like they were trying to hide it You know, it happened pretty quick once the credit started within seconds. um, They kind of cut to this other scene where we have Bell again. Uh, No, no, no. Actually, it doesn't start with Bell. It starts with Vinder, And he's meeting up. He meets this guy that got left behind and who's now apparently living. He's the sole inhabitant of this planet, I think. Uh, (laughs) He's probably regretting his decision not to go into the light and also to not go with Bell. Because he seems pretty lonely at this (laughs) point. Yeah. And vendor meets up with him, says, have you seen this person? It's a picture of bell. The guy says, yes. Vendor seems surprised. And then uh, the guy leads him to a message that was left by bell.
0: Yeah. uh, It's quite coincidental, right? If this guy is literally the last person on the planet and it just so happens to walk up to him and be like, Hey, have you seen this person? (laughs) <laughs> he's like, oh yeah. And by the way, she left a message for you underneath a bridge. Like, there's no better place to, it's all very close proximity. Yeah, how no did she think he was going to find a that? <laughs> right, exactly.
1: Good thing that guy was like, Snooping because it didn't sound like she told him to tell Vinder. It was more like, "Oh, I saw her do this." So he, he yeah, I
0: saw her leave something for you.
1: Yeah, so it was a lot of a lot of fortunate events that led Vinder to that message. But I guess it does make sense that Vinder would go to that planet because that's number one. It's a planet that meant something to them both, right? Right, and it seems to be the only place in the area that still you know is supporting life. So, so he probably didn't have a lot of other places to go in that sector. So, um and then you know, he's you know, he's got a ship that probably can track heat signatures and he see where the populations are and he saw that guy's fire, I don't know, you know. Him coming across the guy didn't bother me that much. But she doesn't tell so whatever recording device she had to leave this message has a limited amount of time. She didn't do very good time management and should have let should have led with the coordinates maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but Right before she tells him the coordinates of where she's going, it cuts off. Yep. And so now Vender is still searching for his long-lost love, but um, doesn't really know where to find her. No,
0: nope. I love how the fact that, like, Vender just laughs. He's just like, of course. she right. She didn't actually give me the coordinates. He laughs, and then he moves on. I'm hoping he at least extended the offer to the other guy to be like, hey, do you want to come with me now?
1: Right. Uh, yeah, here's another chance, dude. Get off the planet. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. Hopefully. I, I bet no, though. I don't, I don't think we see this guy again.
0: No, I think he's a one and done.
1: <laughs> he's, he's hanging out there for whatever reason. Um, but, yeah, the Vinder and Bell seem to be very optimistic people. And they do both seem to be of good spirits, considering that they're basically living in the end, end times and um, and can't find their true love, you know. So that seems like would be the recipe for a bad attitude, but they both seem very happy.
0: Yeah, they're both extremely likable characters. There's some characters that you know you're supposed to hate and they have done a great job of making it so that you really have no choice but to like these characters. I've seen some people not like the fact that these characters exist and that we're getting taken away from the main story for these characters. Um, I can't help but think they're going to be a big part in it Mm. um, towards the end. And honestly, even if it's just to show us what's going on in the rest of the universe – I think it's worth it because it's nice to have those reminders of like stuff is trash like the earth might be okay and there might be able to party a Lepari shield around the earth but the flux has destroyed everything else and I think we do need those reminders um as we go through these episodes so that we don't get so boxed into what we look at in the immediate episode but I can't help but thinking that they're going to play a
1: bigger role at some point I I yeah it it does seem like it's starting to The way that they're showing it with her, it's kind of like checking in with her every once in a while. Yeah. I I do feel like they're leading to something that's more significant with those characters. It's not just – I was hoping maybe that it wasn't something more significant, that they just were, you know, oh, it's just star-crossed lovers are trying to find each other and they'll be reunited eventually. Um, It does seem like they're putting a lot of focus on them and not with a lot of reason to put focus on them. So there's got to be a reason we just don't know yet. Yeah. And so, yeah, I I agree. I think that there's going to be some sort of a connector um, that's going to tie it all together. By the the sixth episode, we will see why the the Angels and Bell and Swarm and Azure, how does it all connect? Because those are, I think, the three big kind of things that do need to connect. To make it yeah. all make sense, yeah, pretty much. Um, and uh, just like as a side note, Kevin McNally uh, let slip in an interview that he's in the, he's in the three final episodes of the season.
0: Oh, he has
1: to be right, like yeah, you would think. You, I mean, at least in the next episode, uh, right? You would right. think he's he's still got to be around. But yeah, I think in some interview he had said probably out of turn, probably shouldn't have maybe revealed it as early as he did, but that he was going to be in the final three episodes of the season. Apparently that's there was like a, a whole contingent of people that thought he was going to be the next Doctor, but I don't think that's the case.
0: <laughs> Just wait until he pulls out his fob watch
1: yeah. in two episodes, and he's the master. He all does over have that kind of vibe. Oh, I
0: absolutely.
1: Say, I will say that. I don't think he's the next Doctor or a Time Lord, but... He definitely has that vibe because they did say he doesn't have family, he doesn't have kids, so there isn't a lot of connectors right. as to why he wouldn't be um you know just this kind of lonely professor. Um yeah. He he's the type for sure. That that would be revealed as a as a hidden time lord, but I I'm going to I'm going to put my money on he's not.
0: Yeah, I'd say it's pretty safe at this point. If they throw in that he's a hidden time lord Then they've really shoved way too much. We've done it. Yeah, we've done
1: it. We have the Fugitive Doctor. They've kind of done that already. Uh, I don't know that we need another Hidden Time Lord anytime soon. They could save that for a few few, uh, showrunners after this. Yep, agreed. Agreed. All right, well, anything else
0: worth Um, chatting up? Just the fact that Piggy has to... Or Piggy. Oh my goodness, Peggy. (laughs) Peggy has to... uh, Make it back to 1967 a long way around, um, because we find out that Mrs. Uh,
1: shoot. Oh yeah, yeah, the lady in the grave uh, or in the graveyard.
0: Yeah, is... the creepy lady that's basically telling
1: everybody you're gonna get taken. Um, she's Peggy. She is so Peggy. It, it Peggy was... was her own teacher. It was kind of an interesting reveal, but at the same time, didn't feel like it mattered.
0: No, it definitely doesn't matter. <laughs>
1: like, okay, the little girl they were looking for. Honestly, the Peggy doesn't seem to matter. Other than nope. that's what led them to kind of coming across the the angels, but like, right? She doesn't seem to matter.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the only reason why they told us how her story ends is because if they were to drop her back in nineteen oh one, like she was she was the she was the reason why Dan and Yaz had to go wandering off mm. so they had to get them to 1901 some way and then they needed someone to explain things to them once they got to 1901 Peggy fit the bill there but then they also gave us the end of her story in 1967 because if we were to just kind of like progress from this point we'd be like oh what happened to Peggy they like they just abandoned her in 1901 nope <laughs> We know that she lived in 1967. She has a conclusion of her story, so she doesn't matter. Well, they did abandon point. her
1: apparently well, she's yeah. still there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: she's still there, but we know that she has a happy ending, so we don't have to be worried about what happened to little old Peggy. Um, she yeah. was as cold and heartless for the rest of her life, <laughs> and she basically told everybody, you're going to get taken. You just need to leave, and they didn't leave, and she just watched it happen.
1: Yeah. And the, the real question is, did Dan and Yaz get out of there? You know, how do they get out of there? Because right, exactly. if we know – it is it is kind of interesting to think about, though, because if we know Peggy doesn't get out, um, but they – you would assume they do eventually, then why did they leave her behind? Or maybe they just kind of parted ways over the two years. Um, and the, the professor as well would be with them. So, yeah. So much more so much more to be revealed I hope I hope <laughs> but I also hope they're they make sense of it all and tie it all up so but yeah I think we're good to wrap this one up then yeah sounds good well thanks everyone for listening to this episode of uh, Bad wolf radio thanks for hanging out with us thanks for you know you guys that are over on the Facebook group and, you know, kind of the comments and stuff that you made, and, uh, Chris, you know, for making that comment about, about the episode and all of that. So we, we appreciate any interactions that you guys give us. Um, so if you, if you are not part of our Facebook group yet, um, you can find us over there on Facebook, search for bad wolf radio group. And, um, it is, it is, uh, you do have to request entry and then we'll let you in. Um, so it is a private group, but we, you know, once we once we get that request, we'll let you in. Um, and other than that, you can find our episodes on Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcatchers. Uh, we also appreciate any reviews that you guys could leave. And until next time... Don't blink. Simply don't blink. Okay, you can blink now. I'll, I'll open my eyes. The doctor did have uh, a line where she says... She tells them to blink. Yes. Right at the beginning. (laughs) I'm modifying my instructions. (laughs) So she says...